Welcome to Build. This is Maggie. Today, I'm lucky enough to have Leslie Matla on the show. She was the head of product and customer experience at Zipcar, then the chief product and experience officer at M. Jemmy. She's now starting her own thing with a couple of other people as the chief product officer, basically a career role model. And today we get into how to use data, when to use what type of data, and really how to build a legit career in product like she has. I hope you like it. Leslie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. Of all the things that I could have asked you about, I think the given that you've had such a long career in product across a couple of really amazing companies, the thing I really wanted to dig in with you is how to pull together two things that I hear so much about from other product leaders, which is how do you use data effectively, both in terms of quantitative data as well as qualitative data and like what the right mix looks like between those two things. Mm-hmm. So how have you... What has good looked like for you at the companies that you've been at? And then we can kind of go from there. Okay, great. Well, you know, as you mentioned, I've been in a lot of different companies. And so the product in those companies has been very different, right? So I've been in software, I've been in e-commerce, I've been in hardware, and I've been in a service company. And so... But in all those cases, the things that does make kind of the product and experience different are when you really can use both data and like ethnographic and qualitative research effectively. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, what using both does is give you kind of these little nuggets, right, that can make your product special or make it so that the user, you know, really feels like you understand them. So, for example, if you look at any particular product, right, you really need to establish the data piece, right? And and that's like a key element of success. First of all, really understanding the product journey, no matter what it is, and being able to assess the data at all the interaction points of that particular product. Like to mm-hmm. me that's like number one with regards to success. Even at like a early, early stage? Well it's definitely preferred because and the thing is a lot of early stage companies don't think in this way. One benefit I had when starting Mgemi, when starting there a year before the launch, was mm-hmm. just that. I had learned so much about the pain that you experience when you don't have th- those data elements in mm-hmm. place. So because of that pain, I had that pain and the founders had that pain and other companies, we said, okay, we're going to establish a company that we're going to really think about the data that we want to get at along the whole journey, and we're going to build the company for that. So that, to me, was a gift, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, that a lot of companies just don't have. And so, but if you don't have it and you're a startup or you're, you know, later stage or just, you know, a lot of big companies have, have a challenge just with getting at their data, it's something that you really do need to focus resource on and and figure out how to do. Because again, you need that baseline of, you know, your conversion funnel or your conversion flywheel, whatever you want to call it, and all those interaction points with your customers. So number one, I think just to success is making sure that you do have those, the access to the data, right? Mm -hmm. Number two, I think then is, can you then bring that view of the customer into your product development cycle? And that, you know, I'm always surprised that a lot of companies actually don't do a lot of this. They don't talk to their customers, for example. You know, they maybe do surveys and things like that, but 
if you can create, and it doesn't have to be a huge practice or a huge team or anything like that, but if you can periodically be doing things like interviewing your customers, observing your customers using the product or service, whatever it is, listening to them, listening to where they get confused, listening to where they're excited, listening to just questions that they have, Mm -hmm. and potentially asking them questions, you know, about their life or other parallel areas to things that may be important to the product. You're going to learn these things that are going to, you know, give you more feedback into what changes you can make in the product that tell you more than like an A-B test. Like A-B tests are great, right? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you can then pick the winner and you can keep improving and things like that. But it doesn't give you that little nugget of like, this person was totally confused and had this question at that Mm -hmm. point in time. And so when you have the two, you can, you know, kind of take it up a couple of notches. Right. Yeah, I felt like at TripAdvisor, we were really great at instrumenting the product and understanding whether what we were working on had moved whatever baseline metric it, it was that we had picked. But I always felt like we were maybe less good at the time with understanding the whys why the user behavior was the way it was because we didn't speak to as many people. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm curious how, when you have a, a product people, a new product people on your team, how do you help them learn like when to use what type of data and like what good looks like for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Number one, an area where, uh, you know, things like, I don't know, like feature enhancements, improvements and stuff, like that's pretty basic, right? You know, you can look mm-hmm. at the data and, you know, you can create, your prioritization around those things. So I think those things are pretty basic. Where I encourage people to start to look at those things are, you know, if you are a product manager and you, you know, you own a part of the product or, you know, however it's organized, part of the experience. When you're thinking about the strategy for the product, so Mm -hmm. for me, you know, a good product manager can be both strategic and tactical. And so they're really helping with like, okay, what's the roadmap for this product, right? Or, Or, you know, for this experience. And so that's an area where I encourage people to really dig into both and to take that time to have those conversations and observations with customers Mm -hmm. and or, you know, use like usertesting.com or something like that to really take a look at an end-to-end experience that's happening with with that product. So they can really figure out what are the strategic themes that I'm going to be working on for my product over mm-hmm. the, like even if it's over the next three months or something, not a long right. period, but and, and then that way that helps to put some real like guardrails on where they're going to take that product, and then everything else underneath those themes can be very much data driven or you know A/B testing and things like that. So I think you know one place is to really think about the strategy for your product is a good place to start to bring in that customer viewpoint. The organization, most organizations, it's not just the product manager. The product depends on all these other functions, too. And so I think, as you know, there's a lot of, you know, the prioritization or stakeholders have different views of what mm-hmm. needs to be done. I mean, this is, you know, the typical life of a, yeah. the struggles of a product manager. <laughs> and so that's another place where you can forget about 
kind of everyone's opinions or maybe people have conflicting data, that's a good place to bring in, well, let's hear what the customer has to say. Mm. And, and let's show some video of how the customer is reacting mm-hmm. to a particular topic. So I think that's always, I don't want to say it's a deal breaker, but it really helps to, to remove that like internal conflict maybe yeah. in the decision as well. Yeah, and I also think that it's really easy to maybe get us have a bias in your thinking, given if you've been looking at a certain type of data or a certain data set for a really long time, that it's really important to bring in those like fresh perspectives from users and get to keep, not even just if you have a recording from a long time ago and be like, oh, this is when that customer said that one thing and this is the, the thing that we point to when we want to talk about customers, but instead always having like a fresh interaction mm-hmm. always helps me at least remember that maybe what I'm seeing in the data is not completely accurate or like might be misleading or you can interpret it in many different ways. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So it's interesting that you were talking about at MGemmy bringing in data from the very beginning. We definitely took a different approach at Drift and we focused much more on just speaking to customers as much as possible mm-hmm. and doing less of the instrument instrumentation mm-hmm. of the product because we felt like we would be able to speak to enough people and often enough via our own chat product that yeah. like we could move faster without having to spend all the time and investment of doing that data yeah. work. How are you approaching that at your new venture? I know it's super early, so. Yeah, it's super early. And that's a really good point. I think there are definitely differences in, like, is it a software product yeah. or is it, like, a physical product that's surrounded by a digital experience, which that's mm-hmm. in Jemmy and Drift. So I think the type of company and product can mm-hmm. influence how you okay. think about it. Yeah, because sure. I was curious about the type, and then also I was going to ask kind of, through the different stages of companies, mm-hmm. like when it makes sense to do what type of investment and where different type of information matters. Because I think for us, the assumption was we're building this new thing. We're trying to find product market fit back in the day. Mm-hmm. The best thing we can do is talk to customers. Yeah. yeah because yeah. that's the fastest way for us to get that information. Totally agree. And so the, the new venture that I'm working on is it's a it's a data-driven business. It is going to be more um, software-focused, right? Okay. And so exactly, that's a really good point. And that's where we're starting is, you know, I'm not going to put those parameters in place yet because that's what we're trying to do, figure out, okay, right. what are the, there are a slew of problems that we could solve in this realm of what this new thing is. Mm-hmm. And we need to first figure out what are the key, the key problems that we're going to right. focus on in these early days because there's mm-hmm. nothing there. Yeah. So that's exactly it. Those first steps are really talking to potential customers and Mm -hmm. figuring out where that market demand really is to get started. Right. Now, once we do that and we say, okay, we're going to build this, you know, most lovable product or whatever, whatever you want to call it for that first, you know, problem set. We will want to think about, okay, we're building this. What are we going to, once it's built, what are we going to want to measure? You know, what mm-hmm. questions are we going to have? And I truly yeah. believe that it makes sense to, you know, if you can, to, you know, have that conversation before you start building everything, yeah. right? Yeah, I, th- I think we definitely came to a point where we needed to be able to answer more sophisticated questions about what was happening, especially when our customer base got large enough where it wasn't easy to say, oh, everyone's kind of doing the same thing, so it's fine. But now we have segments started to appear and different types of users started to appear and different types of customers and different plans that they were on. And I think that's the point at which it became really challenging to kind of rely on just human-to-human research, and we needed to have data to back up the rest of it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. When you've sort of built up product teams um, and you have PMs come onto your team, how do you 
do you look for people who, you know, are already really strong in analytics? Like, is that something that you, you assume every PM should have? Or is that something that you help them grow into? Like, what advice do you give to people who are kind of looking to become PMs on this specific topic? Yeah, I mean, I think that the things that I typically look for, first of all, are really how their ability to develop relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the analytical piece is, is a critical piece, but to me, the better you, more comfortable you are with that relationship building. And because again, building a product, no matter what kind it is, is going to not just be you, it's going to require a lot of different parts mm-hmm. of the company. And so, so one of the things, that's one of the things I look for. I think that, you know, because product is so, it is so data heavy that people do need to be comfortable with it, mm-hmm. either comfortable with it themselves and or comfortable with, you know, bringing in an expert. Again, it depends how you're you know, the size of your company, if right. you have like a squad that actually has an analyst or a data science, you know, access mm-hmm. to that resource, then the person in product, you know, needs to be comfortable having having those conversations, but more comfortable actually asking questions and asking questions from a business standpoint or from a customer standpoint. So, I, you know, I prefer like people who, who are going to be able to have the skills to like ask those questions, right? right? Not necessarily can they, you know, pull and manipulate all the data. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can do that, that's great. But I don't, I don't view it as like the major requirement unless it is you are the product manager of like a data product. Right. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Well, I want to kind of switch a little bit on this topic of advice. I'm really curious to hear kind of more about your career and how you have managed the different roles that you've been in and kind of plotted your way through. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, like, why did you get into product in the first place and, like, why the choices, some of the choices that you made and kind of ending up in product leadership? Yeah, I think, you know, like most people, I didn't set out to be a product yeah. manager. <laughs> I think that's changing now, which is I really weird is, that there's yeah. classes. There's at least one in, in business school now. Where I went, where they have PM like 101, yeah, and which I'm is super amazing. But I, about yeah, it. I think it should be mm-hmm. like it should be a degree. It yeah. probably is in some places. Yeah, maybe now. even undergrad now. I'm not sure, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, and I've had the benefit of like doing some guest lecturing at places that are starting to you know have product classes and things like that. But I didn't set out to it, and that it wasn't available to me. When I got out of graduate school, you know, I was very interested in technology, and I went to work for a service design consultancy, which basically you know had all the principles of product management, but it wasn't called that. You right. know, it was we were basically working with a bunch of different clients and all these different industries, cars, hotels, hospitals, everything, and looking really just looking at a an experience from a customer standpoint, how to make it better for the client, and then how to optimize it from a business standpoint. So it had all these elements of it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was, you know, instrumental in creating a desire to do something like that because it felt like a really good role where you would have to learn all different parts of the business and you'd have to think about all different parts of the business, the Mm -hmm. customer and the success of the business and operations and things like that. And so so that led me to a a software product management role, my first software product management role that was in a stealth startup I didn't even know what the product was. Oh, I, when I would when really, I, yeah, yeah, it was like part of the 
the deal. Like you mm. can't, you know, they were alluded to it was like really cool and and it, and it had a technical co-founder who had a lot of success. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just go because this, you know, I, this guy obviously has had successes before. So, mm-hmm. so that was my first place where I truly learned that where I learned from people who had done software product management before. Okay. And but I didn't really know much about it, mm-hmm. and uh, and I had different roles there, like marketing manager and things like that. But that's where I really learned like software product management. And then after that particular role, I th- that company was acquired by Microsoft. I went to Microsoft for a couple of years. They obviously, you know, are a product driven company and had mm-hmm. product processes in place and things like that. So I learned and- a lot there. Were you at this point where you're kind of like, okay, product is the role that I want to stay in? You know, I had kind of done marketing as well, yeah. you know, marketing manager and things like that. And um, I liked the fact that product was actually working closer with the technology and the technologists and that you were, you know, you were actually building and changing things, right? you know. And then I also, you know, later on realized, like, actually, it's all connected, right? Yeah. You know, product is, you know, really product and marketing need need to be connected. Acquisition is part of the product. Mm-hmm. So it kind of all came full circle. But it was more, you know, my, my career path really was, you know, I, I was working with people in product who I... You know, I admired, I admired what they were doing and kind of got into it from there. And then, you know, when I went to Zipcar, I had a great opportunity to really be the the person to build the product organization. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the first product person that came yeah. into Zipcar. What about the lessons that you had from building at Zipcar did you bring when you started again at Jemmy? You know, with Zipcar, we went through, when I was there, I, I spent, you know, a decent amount of time there, uh, went from product manager to one to, you know, a, a international product team, hundreds of engineers, we went public, we sold mm-hmm. the company, you know, so all different phases. Of yeah, the really like every, every, every single, single phase, phase yeah. in the world. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so, so, so the good part about that was just going through all those phases, which sometimes when you go through them, you're it's a lot of pain. <laughs> you yeah. know, and you're wondering, like, why am I in this phase? Right. Yeah. Or even just that much change, a lot of I change. can imagine, would right. be hard. No, even if it was good change. Exactly. And and I think when you're, you know, I grew and, you know, I was leading a team there and leading people through all that change, too, is, you know, it's, that's a challenge, right? But I obviously just, you know, reflecting upon it, I learned so much. And so as I went into another startup, which again, you know, we started at zero, pre-zero, I just had a better expectation of like, okay, we're going to start and things are going to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're going to keep changing. And uh-huh. I'm fine with that now, you know. And and the benefit that it gives me is as I hire people and as things start to change or, you know, you're looking at the product every year and maybe making shifts as far as like team strategy and things like that. The benefit that I have is is I can at least talk to product managers and kind of give examples now of like, you know, all the change that I went through and how it was challenging. But you know, mm-hmm. you know, when you work through it, it you know you can kind of get to a better place. Yeah, I think that's one of the interesting things that I've been learning over the course of Drift. We you know obviously haven't gone through as many stages as you went through at Zipcar yet, but have been through many different shifts and many different iterations of how we're working and what we're doing and, and what our process looks like. And having people who can say, oh, yeah, I've been through this transition. This is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. is so helpful to everyone else who's sort of like 
Yeah. Is this normal? Right. Is this what it's supposed <laughs> to look like? Like, are we doing a good job, a bad job? Yeah. And just having someone who's been through that is so helpful. Yeah, it's product therapy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but you, you're doing it again for a third time. I'm doing it again for a third time. You know, it's interesting because I knew that I, you know, wanted to <coughs> take on a new challenge and certainly had opportunities to kind of go someplace more established and just, you know, kind of be a CPO or, or you know, maybe a CEO or something like that. But I decided, you know, to kind of take the riskier path mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and start something new, you know, with some other folks. So, you know, it, it kind of all goes back to... I've been lucky enough in my career to work at all different phases of companies. And so I think, you know, by doing that, and I always encourage people to try different style of company, you then really figure out what you like and what kind of makes you tick. And so I Mm -hmm. definitely like the building part and figuring out that, that part. And so just decided to do that again. What's the biggest thing you want to stay the same from your time at MGemi and like what's one new thing that you want to bring into this new venture because I, I love this idea of like you get to you get to start again from scratch and like what lesson what principles are you bringing with you and which ones are you you know maybe going to do differently yeah you know it's it's a really good question I think you know in this case I'm a co-founder yeah so as you know like the the culture of a company is really critical and mm-hmm. so I feel like while I had a big impact, that, you know, on that at Gemi, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a founder. I came right. in right after the founders. And so I think it's less maybe about the, you know, the product and, and developing the company and evolving the company and more about, like, what kind of company do I want to try to create? Yeah. You know, what kind of culture and vibe? And obviously a lot of those things, you know, organically happen. But I think that... Again, just given my experience that I can, you know, create this, like, great culture that people are going to want to work at. So I think that's one thing that, you know, I'll be able to bring to this and and hopefully have more influence over just given the fact of where I'm at in it. Yeah, that's cool. I think a lot of... A lot of people I've talked to from business school or from who are in product often say, you know, I want to be a founder one day. So it's cool to finally see someone who's actually going to be a founder. Yeah. 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 So it's exciting. So yeah. what what advice do you have for people who are kind of thinking they're in products or they're thinking about getting into product and they're thinking about like their five, 10 year plan? Like, how did you think about your career over the course of the time? And like, what, what's some advice for people who are kind of charting their path? Yeah. You know, I think one one thing is to just, first of all, like try to create even a small network of, you know, people in product. Mm-hmm. Because the more you can learn about, like we talked about in the beginning, you know, product is different in different companies, right? It's different based on, you know, who the founders are, what the type of company it is, what, what stage the company's in. So first of all, kind of establish, you know, get to know other people in product. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean you have to be out all the time, but just get to know a few other people in product because you can hear their stories about what they're doing and how they're approaching things and what they like, what they don't like about the kind of company that they're in, right? So it's like build your perspective of what product is Mm. across different types of companies. I think that's one thing. I think the other is not to be 
afraid, you know, when I talk to a lot of younger people, they're afraid of like, oh, you know, should I go work at a startup or should I go work at a big company? And it's like this big decision. And I'm just like, go do one of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like do them mm-hmm. all, do them all. You know, mm-hmm. you're young, do them all. The, you know, you're just going to keep learning and learning and learning. And so, and the more types of companies you're in or products, you know, you're, you're just going to learn more and more. Yep. Now, some people like to focus on one area, and that's great. But again, I, I just wouldn't be, don't be afraid of, you know, going to a company. And if it doesn't work out in two years, then just go do something else. You yeah. Know, that's how, that's really how you learn about, again, what phase you like, mm-hmm. what type of company you want to be in, what type of product role you want to be in. And as you know, yeah. you know, like bigger companies or, or not, as you know, it's like some companies product is very like it's super focused. You're focused on like this one thing, mm-hmm. right? whereas others, you're kind of running your own little business. Yeah. Right. And so you have to figure out which flavor you connect with. And the only way to do that, in my mind, is like talk to a lot of people, yep. make those relationships and try try different things in product. Yeah. One question on that, though, I think I've been having this conversation with a couple of people recently, which is you want to try lots of different things and you want to get the exposure that you're talking about. But at some point, once you to break out of just being a PM into becoming a product lead, you need to get a win mm-hmm. in some yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. So how have you thought about that? Yeah. And do you agree? I do agree, yes, because I think that, you know, product product managers in general are like the glue or the heartbeat of what's going on. And and I do think one way to set yourself apart is to really take initiative, right? Or, you know, right, grab onto something big or get other people in the company to kind of recognize you, right? Mm-hmm. And so whether it's good or bad, sometimes those things will launch you into a new role or you know mm-hmm. a bigger role or something like that. So I think that you know a win is important but also it's just like kind of promoting your wins right yep. is is like the strategy. So it doesn't have to be this like big, you know, I made, you know, a million dollars extra or whatever in 3 months, but I think the communication of what's happening in product in general to other parts of the organization, the more you, I always tell people who work on my team, like over communicate, just over communicate, you know, here's what we did, or, you mm-hmm. know, and even it's like, even their little results yeah, or failures or what we learned, whatever, you're seen as someone who is influencing the company, even if they're small wins. Right. But it's still then, you know, in the minds of others, if there are, you know, um, it, it's showing that, that you're doing things that are moving things forward. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious to hear a little bit about your, your decision to sort of stay in products other than being a COO or a type like role like that. I feel like that's something that's becoming more common is that people who grow, who grow in products can kind of take on different roles. Is that true? Is that, have you seen that as well sort of in your network? Yeah, I definitely think it's true. And I get that question a lot, like, oh, why don't you, you know, don't you want to be the CEO or mm-hmm. something? And, you know, certainly my role at MGemi, I managed a lot of the operation, like mm-hmm. customer service reported to me and things like that. So it's definitely feasible. And I think it's a good path to yeah. that, absolutely. And, you know, I think f- for me or what people need to think about in those terms is, you know, just the other responsibilities that, you know, a COO is more, is probably more driven on like all the core financials of the business. And so you either like that or you don't, you know, a CEO, I think is, 
you know, it's kind of an overrated position. And yeah. that it's like it's stressful and, you mm-hmm. know, not, not that I, I, I would like to do that, but it's it's a different position, yeah. you know. And so what I like about product is you're kind of like this really core person to everyone, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you're the product leader. You're influencing the strategy yeah. and you're influencing the the building of what's happening next. And you're, you know, in like kind of this key role to move the company forward. So, I mean, I don't I don't know that I have like a clear answer on like what's, you know, what's right to do there. Yeah. And I, you know, I definitely have thought about, OK, maybe, you know, maybe I will do a COO thing mm-hmm. or CEO thing. And yeah. Yeah. I just think it's cool that that is the path that's kind of opening up to products. Yeah, and I think definitely it, it makes it a lot of sense to me, given the the types of, especially as I'm going more into product leadership, like the types of skills that matter and the types of questions I'm asking are now definitely much more broad than like, how should this UI work? But that's it's more right. like, what is this business look like and how are we going to make this whole thing work together? Yeah. Which I think is, and again, I agree, I think being in products is cool because it's like, you sit at the middle of all those different functions and you get to influence and kind of guide a lot of stuff, but you still get to do the cool part, which is building the yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, and you and again, as a product person, you are the CEO kind of of something. And so I think that it is a great place to, if you want to be a CEO or a founder or, right, just start your own company, mm-hmm. you're going to learn all the skills that you need to do yeah. that in product management. Awesome. One last question. Are you reading or listening to anything that you think is super relevant that people in products should be checking out? Yeah, I mean, I'm reading a lot, you know, just given that I'm going back to starting something from zero, I'm reading a lot. It's been around like Hack and Growth uh-huh. and Lean Startup Playbook. They're things that I've read before. Yeah, they're like the basic texts <laughs> yeah, of yeah, starting I, a business and a product. Right, because as you know, it's like when you when you're in a business and then you you know five years later you know it's just very different the situation is very different so I'm actually just kind of going back to you know some of those readings and yeah I mean those those are really what I'm reading right now yeah yeah yeah. are you a podcast person I mean now you are obviously I am I most it's mostly like news related okay kind of like different categories what's your top news I'm I'm looking I love it when people give me recommendations that aren't the same yeah. Five product books and product podcasts. Yeah. I'm trying to think like Pod for America mm-hmm. and they're they're just all ones maybe that you've you've heard. Yeah. I've been getting um ninety nine Invisible. Oh, that's is that one? Yeah. I think that's something that I I, I got I the name wrong. That yeah, that's okay. like ninety nine percent invisible, I think, is it's a design podcast that oh, I've heard cool. is really good things about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wish I had a better li- like a better list. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I always use this moment as like, yeah. what can I steal from you that you're doing? Well, Leslie, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was super helpful. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. 